We are treasure hunters, and I, I don't know, you may, your eye might be drawn to, this is a $100 bill right here, so you might be locked onto that. Hopefully you're not, so you can pay attention to what I'm saying. Um, but most of us are inclined naturally to acquire more, to seek more, to get more money and stuff. Uh, in fact, there's an interesting thing going on out there that you may or may not know about. Forrest Finn is an art dealer and author from Santa Fe, New Mexico. And when he was 80, he got cancer and he decided to have a little fun with his money and art collection. Uh, in 2010, he hit a treasure chest uh, of gold and jewels. It, it was a bronze chest, and he placed it somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. So it's somewhere in New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, somewhere in that area. It's not in Canada. He'll tell us that much. Um, But anyway, he gave nine clues, and here's the beginning of a Nightline story that kind of gives you a feel for how this has caught people's attention. This is Nightline. Tonight's deadly treasure. It's the thrill of the chase. Adventurers scouring the Rocky Mountains for a chest said to be filled with millions in riches. Oh my God, I see bronze. Hidden by an eccentric antiques dealer. Their only guide, a cryptic poem. Begin at where warm waters halt and take it in the canyon down. But it's not just riddles and rhyme. Some searchers dying on the treasure trail. So there you go. Finn says the chest holds 265 American gold eagle and double eagle coins. Many ancient Middle Eastern coins. Hundreds and hundreds of gold nuggets. Some are pretty about the size of your fist. So it's worth a lot of money. The treasure's estimated to be worth somewhere between $1 and $5 million. They say over 350,000 people have searched for it. (laughs) It got their attention. It got something in them moving out there. Several people, in fact, have died looking for the treasure. Here's, Here's another short clip. Uh, Talk about the people who've died. The potential for danger, bears included, is real. And recently, people have been literally dying to find Fenn's treasure. In June, Paris Wallace, a Colorado pastor, was found dead in New Mexico. His wife says they like to search together, but the last time, he went alone. It was a great way for us to get out in nature, to have some quality time together. In 2016, Randy Billu's body was found along the Rio Grande River. He'd vanished six months earlier, his family says, while treasure hunting. And most recently, 31-year-old Eric Ashby went missing in Colorado. His friends say he was searching for Fenn's treasure, too. There you go. I, I thought when I saw that, I thought, hey, maybe I should give it a shot, you know, but... But I'm a city guy. I'm not an outdoors person. I'd probably be one of the guys who died looking for the thing. In, in reality, every person on earth is searching for treasure. If you define treasure as the things that bring meaning and purpose in life, this, this is what pulls us forward. Most of us 
we think that money and treasure or money and possessions are the treasure of life. That's what most of us think. In fact, the Bible says that people tend to think money is the answer for everything. And I mean, don't, don't we think that way some? If I had a little more money, I could solve this. I could deal with this. Uh, and in, in a way, we're willing to die for the treasure that we seek. Uh, we're spending our time, which is our life, to find the treasure that we think will bring meaning and purpose. Uh, in that sense, we're, we're dying for the treasure we seek because we're spending our lives on it. And that is, so it's an important decision that we make in our hearts, what really matters, what really is going to bring life together, and we go after it. Treasure hunting, though, can take people over. It, it, can, it can grab our hearts and move us forward, and this may not be you, but for many people, there's a strong pull, desire for more money, possessions, and for financial security. It's amazing how much time and energy and thought goes into money, our money stuff, our concerns about money. How much time do you think you give thought to these things in a week? I'm going to give you a list, and I'd like you to make a mental check mark by the ones you think about every week, and then jot down like how much time a week you think you you spend thinking about those things. Okay, so bills. How much thought do you give to bills? I, I took the quiz myself, and uh, I'm not going to reveal how much time <laughs> I give to these things, but hey, I did take it. Um, debt. How much time do you think about debt that might be bearing you or maybe not? How about Having enough money at the end of the month. I know I, I tend to think about having enough money to buy the next thing I really want. I mean, that's, that gets my attention. Um, about frustration over your stuff that breaks. How about frustration or concern or worry about stuff that might break? <laughs> yeah. Comparison of your stuff with others. How much time do you give to that? How much thought? And then how much regret over a purchase do you have? I, I confess I made a couple of uh, crazy purchases that I regret during Christmas season. Because, you know, I was scrolling social media and the ad pops up. And you're like, oh, that looks fantastic. I'm <clears throat> I'm going to try that. And then the regret part comes when I have to return the thing and take the, all the time and energy to do that. But anyway, take a moment and add up your total. How much time do you think about money during the week? Say it's just three and a half hours. That's 180 hours a year, 1,200 or 12,642 hours in your lifetime, 
which equals uh, uh, one and a half years of your life that you spend thinking about money. It definitely brings either joy or pain as you think about it. Some kind of mix. Do we think about money a lot? Yes, we do. We give it a lot of thought. Does it stress us out? I say yes. For me, it does. If you don't have money, you tend to think about how to get more money. If you do have money, you're thinking about strategies to shelter it or to make more, to grow it in that way. The bottom line is we tend to think about money a lot. And the more we think about money, most of the time it adds stress to our lives. Thinking about money doesn't really add any value to our life per se because money isn't a person. It doesn't love you back. We love money maybe, but it doesn't love back. So we're made, though, to pursue what is valuable and significant in life. Our desire, which is what the Bible calls our flesh, that's what it's talking about, the the, the the native strategies for getting what we want, the Bible calls that the flesh. Our desire tells us to look for shiny uh, things that promise to bring fulfillment. Culture tells us look for something bigger, something better, something newer. Experience tells us it's not enough. So we keep hunting for treasure, but instead of finding something of real value, we end up with stuff like chocolate coins. You know, they're not that valuable. They go quickly. They would go quickly if I had those chocolate coins. They would be down in a minute. (laughs) Looks promising, but gone way too soon. This is nothing new. In fact, Jesus spoke directly to this issue um, of money on a number of occasions because he knows that money is a core issue to get right in life. He, He actually said more about money than he did about heaven and hell. So it's, it's interesting. This is such a core issue of our lives. If you handle money and possessions the right way, life goes really well. It comes together. If you handle money and your finances poorly, life unravels. So Jesus gave some incredibly practical advice, and we're going to look at what he said here in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. <clears throat> Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One author and pastor put it this way, my heart always goes where I put my money. That's the way it works. This is true. Your heart follows your money. And I'd I'd like to share an illustration about how this works. That's why we have these 
arenas of life here and a heart balloon with a $100 bill attached to it. My, I have a friend who affectionately calls that a Hunsky. Um, some people call it a Benjamin. Whatever, whatever, you, you get it. There's a $100 bill there. Um, on, on the table, we have placards that represent God, people, church, uh, home, vehicle, possessions. And Jesus is saying that what we put our money into, when we put our money into these different things, it's going to do something to our heart and it says something about our heart. That's what Jesus is communicating here. Uh, in, in the Bible, the heart is not the muscle that pumps blood through your system. In the Bible, your heart is the decision-making center of your life. It's, it's sort of the cockpit that, out of which you make choices and decisions. And so it's guidance central of your life. And so here are some examples of how this works. Um, the average price of a car in California is $36,000. That might shock you. That's a new car, brand new car, average price $36,000. If you were to buy a Camry or an Accord, very reliable car, just basic, uh, they're about $26,000. Uh, if I spend that much on a new car, then I'm going to value it. I'm going to protect it. I'll be careful where I park it, how it's kept up. I might even treat it like my baby. I mean, I've heard guys call cars their baby. Okay, they're, they're attached. If someone needs to borrow it, then I have a choice. It might even be a values clash. I mean, they really need to borrow this car. So I'm, I'm dealing like, I'm thinking, okay, I know people are important, but I love my baby. I love my baby. And I just don't want my baby to get hurt. And so if I let them borrow my baby, my heart goes toward people. If I get stingy and I refuse to let them borrow my baby, it's in the stuff. It's in the things. My heart moves into the thing. The more money I spend on something, the more of my heart goes into it. The average price of a home in California is $550,000. Uh, when I take possession of my home, I can sweat it and I can try to do something that everything, every, not something, but everything I can to make sure that my home stays in pristine condition. So I'm focused on my home. My heart's in my home. I'm giving time and energy. I'm trying to keep it the way it, it, it is. And if, if I do this and people visit, it feels very cold. Or I can decide to use my home to bless people. If I do that, it's very warm when people visit. 
it, it's, it's, I'm making an investment in people. I see my home as a tool that God can use to bless people. If your home is used for childcare and, and group life, which is a very scary thing for it to be done, and I commend those who are using their homes for that. But one of the kids writes on the wall, and you have a choice. You have a values choice. Okay, am I going to be focused on God and his kingdom and just let it go and realize, okay, I can paint the wall, I can clean it up, whatever. Because the church is the way God's kingdom moves forward. Or am I going to decide to make a big deal out of it and then put my focus on my home? What if somebody spills something on your couch? Then you're focused on your your uh, your possessions. <laughs> That's it's rough. This is this is what we struggle with. This is so much our everyday lives. It's normal to wrestle with these things. This is the way it works. One pastor said it this way: If you don't struggle with money, you're probably not human. <laughs> I think that's exactly right. I do. In this passage, Jesus is telling us that we have a choice on what we're going to invest our lives in. Are we going to invest it in, uh, in, in money and possessions, stuff that fades away? What we value shows up in our choices, and our choices they're made in our heart. They come out of our guidance center in our lives. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Here Jesus is, is he's describing stockpiling earthly treasure, and he's saying it's not secure. Every car you buy, every house you own, every shoe, every pair of shoes, hopefully, uh, every outfit, every piece of technology, it's just not secure. It's going to break down. It's going to wear out or become obsolete. It's, it is a victim of the law of entropy. Things unravel in this world. If your treasure hunt is focused on the things of this earth, then it's going to waste away. It's going to rot. The Bible makes it clear that things are not bad. We have needs. We need, we need stuff. You're responsible to work and meet those needs. You need a working vehicle. You need a place to live. You need clothes. You need rest. So a vacation to recharge is a really good thing. Um, God wants us to enjoy our lives. Actually, there's a verse in the Bible that said, God gives us all things to enjoy. He wants life to be a joy. That's why Jesus took the time to talk about money so much. Because it's, it's such at the core of our heart. And it, it's, it's, it's saying something to us as we use our money, and it's saying something about us as we use our money. 
So this is a very, very important issue in life, and that's why we're spending the next several weeks looking at the course of money. Because if you can align your perspective and the way you use your money up with what Scripture says about using your money, life can be a joy. It, it, it really is a source of pain or joy. The problem starts when you wrap your heart around money and stuff as your number one priority. If you do that, your heart's in constant turmoil because none of that stuff is secure. That's what Jesus is saying here. It's not secure. It's going to unravel. And so Jesus instructed, don't store up your your treasure in earthly things. Sure, you need it. You're going to spend money on it. You're going to spend money on the stuff. You'll never have enough to satisfy. And none of it lasts forever. You can't take it with you. Here's something you'll never see right here. A hearse with a U-Haul. Can't get that thing off the ground anyway. Can't take it anywhere with you. Here's, Here's something else you'll never see. Money is an arena of life where we need clear perspective. We need, we need to know what really matters because it either brings freedom or bondage in our heart of hearts. We're either all churned up or we're free to enjoy life. God wants us to be free to enjoy life. Jesus says you can use your money in a way that stores up treasure in heaven. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So we can we can do that. We can't take the U-Haul with us. We can't take the boat or other stuff. But we can send it ahead in a way as we make an investment in the things that really last in life. That's God, his kingdom, and people. Jesus is saying here, there's more to life than earthly treasure. That's what he taught. That's what he says. And at one point in his teaching, in in his ministry, as he was moving around through crowds, uh, he was asked by one brother to help him settle the dispute with an, his other brother, with his brother, and the conflict was over money. So Jesus heard their concerns. He, he knew it wasn't a treasure issue. It wasn't about the money, but it was about the heart. So what you find is Jesus always goes for the heart because the heart's what really matters to God. That's what, that's, as he's looking at the way we handle life, he's looking past the things we do to the heart that's moving us to do those things. So here's how Jesus handled this dispute, this conflict. Luke 12:13. someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. There you have it. Could you, could you fix this for me? <laughs> Hey, Jesus, uh, tell my brother what to do. If if you could just tell him to do the right thing, to do the equitable thing, 
it, it's, it's going to all work out for, for good. Here's Jesus' response. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? In other words, I'm not going to go around. This is not what I do to go around and slap people for their behavior and whip them into shape. I'm not going to, you know, force you out of bad behavior. Jesus says, I want to help you deal with this at a deeper heart level. Jesus goes on. And he said to him, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus gives us a crucial warning here. Pay attention. Watch yourself. Your life and your worth, your, your, the core of your existence is not found in how much money and stuff you have. It's not found in the things that you own. It's not found in the newest stuff or the best stuff. And then he shares a short story with a major lesson. This, is, this was his pattern in his teaching. He would share what is called a parable, which is a short story, usually with one lesson behind it. And here's what he says in, in the rest of this passage. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool. This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This man's problem was that he was so successful that he didn't have room for his money and stuff. He he didn't have room for it all. Hey, I I volunteer for that problem. I'd like to solve that one. You know, I mean, wouldn't we all? We we love that. There's a part of us that makes perfect sense to, oh, I'm going to build some barns. So this treasure hunter got so much treasure, he needed to expand his vaults. Note the man's goal, to relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Note God's goal, his response at least. You foolish man, your life is going to end. Your vaults stay here. Now what? The man's goal, relax. You've made enough. You don't have to worry. Very short-sighted goal. God's goal, heart change. He, he wants us to think about and move our heart to invest in things that are going to last, that allow us to build up treasure in a place that will not be destroyed. The Lord wants to grow a heart that is rich toward him. We need to ask God for help in this, to rewire our hearts so we can be rich toward him. Because, again, there's more to life than earthly treasure. 
It's not what our life is really made up of. It's not the stuff of our existence. God wants us to discover real treasure. And the good news is that you and I can start where we are. We're all at different places in terms of our understanding of what God thinks about money, what his perspective is on it, the perspective that he wants us to adopt. Um, We're somewhere along a spectrum. We could be struggling. We could be stable. We could be surrendered to God. We could be at the level of sacrifice. We're willing to sacrifice for God's purposes. Maybe you're struggling. Your heart is all over the place. And you're tired of the emotional roller coaster from what is constantly breaking down, rusting, being taken, the, the battle with trying to make ends meet. Uh, you could be stable. You, you have a plan for your finances. You have a budget. You see yourself as a steward before God. Uh, he, he's given you these things. You want to steward them well. You're not overwhelmed with your finances. Maybe you are surrendered, and this is obedience level finances. Maybe your heart and your budget match the guidance that's found in the Bible. You're continually looking to extend God's kingdom with your resources. Uh, you keep asking God what, what pleases you, Lord, here with this as you're making decisions. And then the last spot on this spectrum is the sacrifice level. Uh, beyond obedience, there are times when God calls us to release even more of our resources to sacrifice beyond what's expected in Scripture. Some of you give to missionaries who live around the world or to organizations that have a specific ministry focus. Some of you give to campus ministries, which is which is all great. That's what we're doing as a church body. We're our Christmas offering is going out to other uh, ministries. But my understanding of the Bible is that your giving, this kind of giving, is, is intended to be above your tithe. And a tithe is 10% of your income. Uh, the first tenth of your income should go to the church where you're uh, getting help to grow in your walk with God, and then where you're helping to make the mission happen of that church body, and then giving to other organizations is 11, 12, 15. What, what, as God increases your faith, you give more. So where you're getting help and where you're helping is, is a key to that. It's important. So where are you today? Circle where you are on your listening guide. I've listed those things, uh, struggling, stable, surrendered, sacrifice. Where are you today? Circle that on your listening guide. If It's okay if you're struggling. We want to help you. It, it's, if you're stable, it's time to ask God to grow your faith, to extend yourself for his kingdom's sake. And find the joy in that. That's where joy really comes from. If you're surrendered, 
How can you continue to be rich toward God and move toward sacrifice? So circle where you are. For the rest of this series, we want to help you get right on the money of God's perspective and the principles that he gives, that he lays out there, they're very clear in Scripture, very practical for handling finances. Living by them brings freedom and joy. We are treasure hunters. God wants us to, to hunt for the treasure that really lasts. The Bible shows us how to hunt for that, how to, how to seek and find what is truly valuable and how to invest in the things that last forever. If you pursue the treasure that God says is most valuable, he gives joy. He gives freedom in the hunt. Maybe, maybe you know most of what the Bible says about money. Maybe it's new to you. Either way, uh, our goal in messages here at Church in the Valley is to help you align your living, the choices you make every day, with the Bible. That's, that's our goal because that's where you find God's blessing. Jesus said that, Matthew 7, James 1. Jesus' half-brother said that. Um, he said, the blessing is in the doing. And so we focus on the doing because we want you to understand how to take God's perspective, his principles, and live them out. Just imagine how great it would be to go to your budget and be totally excited about where you are and how you can use your money to accomplish what is significant. That that would be awesome. I'd like to ask you, as we wrap things up, to consider some next steps. Uh, Here are my suggestions. My next step today is to ask God to examine my heart. Bring your heart to God and... Sort things out before him about your finances. Ask him to show you where your heart really is on that spectrum. Uh, Another step could be come back next week and invite a friend. And then a third step could be sign up for the Get Traction With Your Money workshop. Uh, If you're trying to move from struggling to stable to surrender to sacrifice, if you're trying to move, that, that, that will really be a help. It's a very practical workshop that shows how to budget and use your money for the kingdom's sake. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you, God, for the perspective we find in your word, for the help that you give. And <clears throat> I ask, Lord, that you would you would really bless us as we set out to do what you've laid on our heart to do. You, you're really concerned about our heart, and it's the, the heart of us, our guidance center, is what moves us to make choices. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to get our heart right before you, And then that we would do what pleases you with our money and with our lives and with the resources you provided us, Lord. We ask for your help in this.
in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.